And that's a really big issue. The, the overall, the U.S. banking system is not solvent. It's not on the positive side of the ledger when you look at uh, valuations of their liabilities versus their assets. And as interest rates rise, it's going to continue to make that problem much, much worse because of the types of things that they hold on their books as assets were actually liabilities and are very sensitive to interest rate risk. So in a rising rate environment, not good. U.S. banking system is in a lot of trouble. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Searching for the best precious metals deal? Shop with our trusted partner, Arc Silver. Access special deals on silver, gold, and platinum through our website. Or call 307-264-9441. Hi, I'm Rob Keens, and this is GoldSilverPros.com Weekly Market Wrap-Up. It is March 24th, 2023, recording this about 4 p.m., Central time. We've had a pretty good week in gold and silver. The metals have done well because of the banking crisis. We've seen gold and silver both trade up on the week. Uh, they're trading down just a little bit at the moment compared to where they were at the beginning of the week. But <clears throat> cold has pierced back through 1900, almost all the way to 2000. Silver was trading in the low 20s as well. Looking at the economic calendar, uh, it looks like we had mixed data this week. We didn't really have a lot of data come out until about the middle of the week that really mattered. Uh, looking at the data, uh, U.S. current account is negative $206.8 billion. That's down, meaning it actually got better. We spent less than we had spent in previous periods going out on uh, imports or spending money on imports than we did on exports. It's mostly deflationary because we're simply demanding less goods because we have less money to spend. Not a great sign for the economy, but overall decent for the current account, meaning we're sending less money <laughs> overseas and sp spending uh, a little bit less than we have been over our current budget, if that makes any sense. Not a balanced budget, but a nice sign. Unfortunately, it's coming because of deflation in the economy, which is not the best. Continuing jobless claims continue to be up slightly. At 1.69 million last month, there were 1.68 million initial jobless claims, about even 191,000 compared with 192,000. Uh, new home sales are doing pretty well, 640,000, which was a little bit higher than last month. Durable goods, however, were orders were down about a full percent. Uh, they were down 5% last month, so continue to crash. However, uh, the S&P Global U.S. Services PMI pricing purchasing manager index is 53.8. That's a positive sign. It's increased uh, 3.2 full points since last month, which shows that the service economy seems to be growing a little bit and the purchasing managers are expecting to make more purchases there. That's a good sign. Unfortunately, the manufacturing PMI is on the wrong side of 50. It's at 49.3. It is up from last month at 47.3, but not as high really as it needs to be to consider it growing. What are the stories for the week? Well, we've had more bank issues. We've had Credit Suisse and the potential for that to be closed and the Swiss National Bank guaranteeing, I think at first $50 billion in deposit funds and then saying they would do more and then potentially Credit Suisse going uh, to uh, another bank. Uh, we've had uh, First Republic basically get bailed out by a consortium of banks. And now today the news has been that we've started to worry about Deutsche Bank. The headlines in CBC says Deutsche Bank is not the next Credit Suisse. Analysts say as panic spreads, although Deutsche Bank has been in trouble. Uh, analysts say that recently they've done a good job at fixing their balance sheet after having a very tumultuous past few years. 
and there seems to be um, disagreement on whether they're actually in trouble or not. But it, it sounds as though every potential bank trouble out there is being examined and the, and the banks are definitely dominating the headlines. We'll get to the share on the gold and silver data. We're going to go back to the SEMA Group's website and look that we've had elevated gold open interest trade since the middle of the month, which generally bucks the trend. Uh, you generally get higher trade at the beginning of the month, but not always. And this is a sign that people are interested in the gold market. If you look at the data, April looks to be the uh, almost the dominant month, the previous dominant month, 132,000 contracts, but we've now swung to June, 294,000 open interest contracts there. Uh, we did have heavy volume though on the April contract. As you can see, there was a fair amount of trade going to London in the exchange for physical. That's when somebody exchanges their contract in COMEX for uh, the uh, opportunity for the metal in London, just to switch from one market to the other. You can look at it as a hedge, if you will, or exposure to the physical metals uh, was fairly robust. This is in Thursday's data and Wednesday's data. It's still robust as well, 2,144. And you can see again that most of the trading is in June, uh, adding 10,000 contracts on that day. If we go to settlements to get the price data. We just go here to see what the price is trading at. You can see that on the April contract, we settled uh, and this is Friday's data up through, um, no, actually this is last updated <laughs> yesterday, even though it's Friday's data. Uh, not quite uh, current data, but probably you could say through about halfway through the day, we'll say, uh, settling in uh, on the April contract at 1983.80, but on the June contract at 2001.70, uh, which tells us that People are expecting fairly higher gold prices later in the year. The August contract now is selling at 2018.80, the October contract at 2034, and December at 2049. So investors are pricing in about another $50 gold rise in the price so far this year based on current action with the banks. That's not all of the December or October contracts, but that's the current pricing. Given the elevated risk, there's about a $50 premium on year-end gold, which I find interesting. Looking at silver, similar sort of trade, although silver hasn't been as interesting this month, other than a spike on the 13th of March. March has been a fairly muted month in terms of trading. There's been some nice exchange for fiscal going to London, 1,205 contracts of 5,000 and ounce silver there. The dominant month is still May so far with 93,000 contracts. All you can see people rolling out with the negative numbers here. About half of those rolling off into the July contract, the rest just evaporating essentially as they do exchange for physicals to the London market. That's Thursday's data looking at Wednesday. About the same thing we saw about some contracts roll into July and September as people make some bets later in the year for silver. The May contracts rolling off just a little bit, some exchange for physical to London. Nothing, you know, super interesting there. Settlement data. This is Friday's data. So uh, up through probably within the last hour. Um, you're looking at the dominant month still being May for silver with it trading up 83 cents to 23.339, 23.34 essentially. And then yesterday's data in May, 60,000 contracts traded at 47 cents. So just seeing the metals go up, looking at the inventory data across the world. Here's the COMEX data on the top three lines. That's the U.S. market. This is a four-week change of about, it looks like, about 575,000 uh, ounces or so, 550,000 ounces have left the COMEX. Overall, about 92,000 have uh, come into both the COMEX and the ETF complex 
So it looks like overall we've had a lot more flow into the ETFs. Of course, you've seen the dominant ETF, the GLD, which is uh, owned by SBDR. It has uh, 32 million ounces total, has seen the biggest inflow. We actually saw the iShares, IAU, have one of the biggest outflows. And the iShares CGL.to had a big inflow as well. That's overall gold uh, on the market. There's been an increase in gold into the ETFs and on the COMEX net net of about 92,000 ounces for the last four weeks. That's people putting more gold in. And if we look at the fund flows, specifically SPDR, that's this one right here, the biggest of the funds at 32 million ounces overall. You can see that there have been outflows all year, but lately there have been a substantial amount of inflows. Six month, 1.3 billion out. But if you look at three month, 653 million in, and if you look at one month, 245 million in. So more has flowed into the ETF really in the last month, basically in March. And then we had some here as well. But basically March has seen the biggest inflow into GLD. So some interest in gold from the passive investors still for the last three months. Oh, it slowed down a little bit. Here's the silver depositories. Uh, looking at the trend on COMEX, we've seen about 12 million ounces flow out in the last four weeks, net, net, these top three lines from the ETF complex, about another 12 million ounces. So about 12 million out of the London UK market, about 12 million out of the US as most of the ETFs are stored in London, not quite all. Looking at SLV in particular, if we click on that number, you can see there's been a net outflow dating back to silver squeeze two years ago. There's been a little bit flow back in, but not enough to uh, make up for or account for what's uh, flown out. And the same thing goes to the GLD net net the ounces have fallen out oh there's been a little bit of a net increase lately it's nice to see the generalists get back into it overall uh, but you can clearly see that there's been more silver taken out of the market off the exchanges than than gold overall and you can see the flows were very bullish for silver back here in january february and have fallen off and more has has come back out of slv more shares have been redeemed and therefore more metal has come off of the books that would be attributed to those shares in recent months. If you look at the six month flow, it's negative 415 million ounces. Three month is 119. The last time I looked at the three month, it was positive 242. And the reason that that number has switched over really quickly is these flows here right in the middle of March in the last week, week to 10 days, really took a lot of steam out of the flows into SLV from a silver perspective, because overall you can see those five day net flows of 317, 0.27 million. They really wanted it. If we look at the deliveries, we'll go back to COMEX here for a moment and look at the actual deliveries on the year. Um, March was a decent month for gold and silver. We'll look at that. These are the gold futures right here. And there are a lot of different uh, participating banks in there. So we're going to come down to the summary line for gold and silver. I'm sorry for gold. That's copper. Here it is for gold. You can see the biggest month so far was February. This column had 15,350 contracts physically delivered. Uh, it was a modest month in March of 5198. You had 6610 to begin the year. It generally happens that every other month is a generally a pretty big delivery month for gold and silver. Not exactly always like that, but generally how it goes. So March was pretty good for an off delivery month, not a main delivery month for either cop for gold or silver. E uh, well, it is one of the six ones that you typically will see delivery on. You're just not going to see a lot. Uh, this year, it didn't look like the pattern. This is uh, the 5,000 silver future contract. You can see uh, a lot of deliveries December last year, 4705. 
Then it came down to 1022 for January of this year, this column, January. This is February column here, this column. You come down 919, and then March was nice at 3146. And March has been the biggest delivery year so far as silver, but you'll see months with much more. You'll see months sometimes with 10 to 15,000 contracts delivered, as we saw all last year. Happened several times last year. So March will then fade into the background. It's not being a huge delivery month, but in any case, I wanted to show you what those physical deliveries are so you have an idea what the physical market looks like as compared to the paper. Paper market, lots of trading, lots of stuff going on. Uh, prices going up because of risk in the system and because of banks. And you saw that in both the gold and silver trade. Physical deliveries, pretty high, maintaining being pretty high, but no blowout yet on the physical deliveries on the industrial side of the market. Of course, retail sales have been pretty strong uh, as asked. My Retail and wholesale dealers, they've said uh, physical demand for gold and silver have been pretty strong on the retail end for guys like you and me that buy it. Uh, but overall, the story of the week is still the banks. The banks uh, still having issues staying solvent. We're now looking at ones like Credit Suisse and UBS uh, helping out with that. And then now we're looking at Deutsche Bank and on all the potential problem banks, which will be the next domino to fall. We don't know. There's disagreement on Deutsche Bank there, but definitely need to look at it. You can bet a bank coming, uh, to, a bank name coming to a TV set near you or a press release near you. Uh, overall, if you look at the solvency of the banking system, maybe we'll make a video about this. The solvency of the banking system, they don't have enough assets to cover liabilities. That's a big issue when it comes out in, in a banker's report. And that's a really big issue. The, the overall, the U.S. banking system is not solvent. It's not on the positive side of the ledger when you look at uh valuations of their liabilities versus their assets. And as interest rates rise, it's going to continue to make that problem much, much worse because of the types of things that they hold on their books as assets were actually liabilities and are very sensitive to interest rate risk. So in a rising rate environment, not good. U.S. banking system is in a lot of trouble. We're going to see if, if we have additional solvencies. Of course, Russia this week announced that they were getting out of SWIFT, which is the international banking messaging software system for bank wires and things like that around the world, uh, hosting 11,000 participating banks and 42 million messages a day. Uh, Russia has dropped out of that for domestic transactions, still using it for international, but domestically they have their own system. And word is out of the banking sector, they also want to start to integrating more blockchain into the banking system as well. So probably that's the end of Russia in the SWIFT era, meaning that Russia and their trade is going to sit outside the U.S. international connected banking system, and that's going to drive funds and trade outside of that. That may continue to weaken not only the U.S. banks, but other uh, banks connected to the Western system as we go forward. We'll have to see how much uh, those uh, technology and trade changes affect international trade and the banks that that fund and rely on that trade, the fees uh, and, and the products that they provide, and whether that further deteriorates the picture of the Western banking system. I suspect that it will, but we'll have to see what happens as we go forward. That's going to wrap it up for this time. Thank you for paying attention to the weekly market wrap-up where we bring you the latest economic news. We look at the gold and silver markets and we tell you the biggest stories of the week, and we do it every week here at Gold Silver Pros and on JM Boy. Until next time, this is Rob Keens with Gold Silver Pros. Hey, thanks for watching. We selected these videos just for you. Check them out. And remember, $4.99 a month keeps the lights on and the channel going. So join our Gold Silver Pro supporter membership. We appreciate your support. Keep stacking.